Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. The show that is so bad, if you checked it out from a library, they would ask you to never bring it back. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. And on this week's show, we will have uh, Ask the Pipe Maker uh, with Jeff Grasick talking about pipe mud and continue the uh, seven experts with Sykes Wilford. Plus uh, music, mailbag, and rant. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And before we get started, last call for uh, JDRF auction items. Please, please, please. We seem to be a little light this year. And uh, I realize, you know, things aren't wonderful all over. But, uh, you know, whatever you, can, uh, whatever you can swing would be absolutely great. So reach out to me, Brian, at PipesMagazine.com. And also a special request for you listeners... No matter your age, if you have about two to five years of pipe smoking experience, yep, I'm talking to you, relatively new, not new new, but two years to five years of pipe smoking experience, please reach out to me, Brian, at PipesMagazine.com. If you're in the USA, uh, all you need is a uh, phone or uh, uh, phone or Skype or whatever. If you are overseas, uh, Skype, FaceTime, or uh, the Zoom would work. So if you are a pipe smoker with two years to five years worth of age. Um, also, before we get started, if you want to see more of me, uh, Professor Jeremiah, his uh, YouTube channel, I was the uh, guest on the Pith Helmet matinee, and I think it came out about a week and a half ago. That was a lot of fun hanging out with Professor Jeremiah and Uncle Phil of the uh, great island of uh, England. Uh, and you can also find me, uh, I did the mystery tobacco review for uh, smokingpipes.com on their, on their uh, video blog series, which is on YouTube or on their website. So, uh, yeah, you'll see me and then you'll realize why we do an audio-only show. All right, so let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and for Ask the Pipe Maker, we have brought the pipe maker of J. Allen Pipes, J. Allen Design, and J. Allen Swag, all available on jallenpipes.com, right, Jeff? That's what I hear. Okay. Jeff Grisick, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. So, here's the question from Java3. Um, oh, I already like the name. Yeah, I like the name, too. I wonder if Java4 is any better. 
or Java Five. I don't, and, and is it is it uh, uh, is this a coffee reference or is he actually from Java? E- either way, it's good with me. Okay, um, it's warm there. Um, he says, I'm assuming it's a he. Could be a could be a her. Anyway, I have a question for Jeff Grasick regarding this segment on the show. I think I have an idea what the answer is, but I would like to hear Jeff's response. Jeff, what did you mean when you referred to the term pipe mud? And by the way, Jeff, thanks for all your input on the radio show. Kudos. So, oh, thank you. Uh, hey, well, that's the, that's the first uh, first person i'm aware of that actually appreciates this that's good yeah except for me Uh, yeah well no i mean i just get complaints from you well and your and your wife and family appreciate when i'm recording with you because then you're not talking to them precisely precisely that's the really the ulterior motive here that's it she pays Mm -hmm. me it's nice Um, (laughs) she hasn't sent me a free pipe yet i'm waiting Mm. uh so I, I'm assuming, and I didn't do the research like I should have in advance, but I'm assuming you talked about pipe mud at one point, and I, if I remember correctly, that was when we were talking about uh, if somebody tries to op- open up or re-drill their own draft holes and they go low, and then you've got a pipe mud to build it back up. So what is pipe mud? I thought it was what happens when you have too much Captain Black grape in the bottom of the bowl. They make a grape version? Yes. Yes, you live a sheltered life there. I do. I do. I do. Um, No, I I think that's a good question. I think uh, a lot of times when those of us who have been around this industry for a while, we we can take for granted that people know what we're talking about when we use terms like that. So this is a good clarification. So I want to thank Java for the question. So pipe mud is... It's... I've actually never used it before. Have you, Brian? Uh, no. Uh, the The only time I've ever dealt with issues inside the bowl, I've just rebuilt cake there very slowly. Got it. Got it. Just by like smoke, like filling the the chamber uh, to that point and just smoking that area for a while. Yeah, smoking that area, and then when I when I get all the white ash at the bottom of the bowl, which all Jay Allen pipes only smoke to pure white ash at the bottom of the bowl. <laughs> right. Right. As they ought to. Um. I will take the pipe and you know break up the break up the tobacco and then knock out everything but then I'll leave enough white ash in there and lay the pipe on the side that I want the ash to fall into mm-hmm. and let it sit and there. And you just let the residual moisture bind it to the side. Yeah. Yeah, cuz I'm too cheap to send it off to a repair guy. Mhm. Uh, well, my my understanding is that pipe pipe mud that is typically referred to when when these kinds of suggestions for repairing your your pipes at home, uh, the pipe mud that's being referred to is some co- combination of tobacco or cigar ash and water. Um, you just mix it up into a slurry, and you paint it in or pour it in to areas of your uh, bowl that need some work. Now, as a professional pipe maker. I don't use pipe mud as such. Instead, I use the bowl coating that I normally put into, that I all of my bowls with, which is the same effect. And it has an additional benefit over pipe mud. And that, that benefit is that pipe mud, if you're using cigar ash or, um, or pipe tobacco ash, is going to have some kind of flavor residue. It's going to have that ghosting from whatever 
the original uh, uh, tobacco was that you that that the ash came from. And so when you use the the pipe bowl coating like I use in my workshop, it's neutral. It has no flavor to it and no aroma. And so it won't color the flavor that you're going to get from the pipe after you've done this uh, this correction, this restoration. So that's that's a minor distinction there, but one that's important for for people who uh, who really want to taste their tobacco in their pipe. What is a uh, so? What's a situation where you might use extra cake in a in a pipe? Is that when like you're you know sitting there and you, you know, I don't know you just jam the drill the drill press through an almost finished pipe just for fun? Oh, you mean why I might use it in in my shop? Yeah, I, I have a good example of it um, that I'm going to show you, Brian, oh. and I'm going to describe for everybody else. <laughs> I, I, I might take pictures so, of it. No, I'm yeah, kidding. yeah. So what, um, wh- what it's used for, like, like we were talking earlier, is to fill some kind of cavity, some kind of mistake. Mm. That would never, ever happen in a pipe that I would sell. So there would never be a J. Allen uh, pipes stamp with you know, all my serial number and everything like that on a pipe where something like this has happened. This is exclusively for something that I'm keeping for myself. So in this pipe that I am holding up right now, it's a beautiful, smooth pipe that Brian can see. Um, it's got a bit I of a flare shank it And to got it. a little, little excited when I was drilling it. It was going to have, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was going to pay a, a substantial portion of our bills that month. And I drilled the chamber too deep. Now, a little bit deep isn't a problem. Did I go a millimeter deep? No. I went a quarter inch too deep. <laughs> big problem. Big, big, big problem. This wasn't correctable. This was the, this was a, oh my goodness, I cannot believe I just did that. And so what I did was I took my bulk coating that I normally use and I just dripped a little bit down on the bottom and let it kind of uh, fill in the concavity that is the, the shape of the bottom of the chamber and it t- took uh, you know a day to dry. And then the next day I put another little layer in and slowly uh, so on and so forth. It took about a week, week and a half. And I was able to bring the bottom of the chamber up to where it ought to be. And then afterwards, I was able to uh, reshape the interior of the bolt, uh, what would be the normal profile. I've been smoking it for about a year. And I mean, I can't tell any difference from any other pipe that I've ever made for myself or bought from anybody else. I mean, it it is the same. Uh, but... As I said, it's not something that I would sell because it's that is clearly a quality issue that uh, um, I wouldn't want to let out of my shop for uh, for sale. So the moral of the story is: don't buy the pipe out of Jeff's mouth. <laughs> well, that, exactly. Because if it's if it's a good pipe maker, odds are he's only smoking junk seconds of of his or hers, and you don't want to buy it from him. The, the reason I am smoking a pipe with my name on it is because I screwed this pipe up. <laughs> now, uh, in, in a serious question is, and this is me talking, um, is pipe mud, is that a same kind of material that, say, um, other companies, not J. Allen Pipes, because J. Allen Pipes would never do what I'm going to say, uh, but is this Uh-oh. is this the same material that some other companies might use to fill a hole in a smooth pipe? 
or use? On the outside? Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. Um, I have never heard of people using pipe mud for that, but, you know, I've been surprised before, so who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, my understanding is that flaws that are that occur on the outside of a pipe, like in a, let, let's say in a factory setting mm -hmm. where um, they're trying to save a pipe that uh, to still sell it, they'll use uh, some kind of uh, wood putty, wood filler for that that has that it's actually made from like cellulose um, that comes from it. It is a wood product that has some kind of binder. You'd never be able to tell that it was there anyway, except that it doesn't accept color yeah. and finish the same way that uh, that a normal uh, that that briar will. So, uh, but on a smooth pipe, gosh, I don't even know what people use on that because I've never tried it. Yeah, well, and I and I'll tell you this much: fills don't make pipes smoke better or worse. They just they just sit there and look at you sometimes. Mm-hmm. This is true. Jeff, thanks for clearing up a muddy discussion. Well done. We'll be back in just a minute. <laughs> this is Internet Radio. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell & Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenay's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell & Deal's Cellar Series. The secret ingredient is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show with another seven questions for seven experts. And this expert is... Um, Boy, I'm happy to say this. You are the youngest living doctor of pipes, and I am so happy that I am no longer the youngest, but it's uh, Sykes-Wilford, founder, creator, uh, omnipotent overlord of Laudisi Enterprises, the global magnate. Sykes, welcome to the show. That was quite an introduction. Thank you, Brian. I think I pronounced most of that right, but I guarantee you I misspelled some of it in the way I said it. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Sykes, are you ready for your seven questions? I am. If you could only sell her 100 tins, would you prefer to have 100 tins of one blend, 50 tins uh, each of two blends, 25 tins each of four blends, and 10 tins each of 10 blends? Well, I'm definitely at the 25 each of four or 10 of each of 10 end of that spectrum. So I sell her a bunch of different stuff. Um, I, I, I think for the, for, the, for the purpose of this, let's go with 25 each of, of four different blends. And could you really narrow down your, uh, your, your likes into just four blends? Or would, you, would there be some really heavy discussions in your head? There would be some heavy discussions in my head. I... I, I I probably would sit there with the spreadsheet and I'd start with four blends and then it would become six. 
and then it would become eight, and then it would go down to seven, but that's not divisible into a hundred, so I'd need one fewer of one of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, it would be a process. Actually, more than one fewer. Um, and then there might be a March Madness uh, uh, tournament style where you might narrow it down. I might have to. Yeah. I'd have to do side by side smoking and stuff too. Oh boy. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it, would be, it would be a process. Yeah. And and next question is, what would those four blends be and why? So, um, the the first one would be uh, Cornell and the Old Sunday Picnic. Um, that is sort of my, that is my go-to baseline tobacco these days. Um, the second would be, uh, GOP's Heather's Delight. Um, that has been on, on again, off again, but mostly on favorite for, well, since, I don't know, since Haddo's became a thing or shortly after it became a thing when I discovered it, like 20, more than 20 years now. Um, so those two, uh, then I would want something kind of different. Uh, and I think I would do McBurn Navy Flake, which is, I guess, not that different, but the house styles are different enough that it would, you know, offer some variety. Um, I mean, these are all not terribly different things from each other, right? Right. So far, but, uh, uh, but I want it to not just be, you know, uh, not just one manufacturer. Um, and then the fourth one, this is where it gets hard because yeah. this is the, is it four, is it five, is it six, is it seven question. So there's an argument to be made for Cornell and the Autumn Evening because I do like an aromatic once in a while and it is by far my favorite uh, aromatic. Uh, there is an argument to be made for Escudo, um, which I, has, has been another another perennial favorite, but I haven't been smoking it as much in the last uh, in the last few years. Um, and I still have to make these, these hundred tins last a while, right? If I'm yeah. only if I'm take, only taking a hundred tins to a, like a desert island or something, I have to make these last. So I want to be able to sort of hedge against my tastes reverting and changing a bit, right? Well, and you also want to be careful with an aromatic because it might age for too long and it may not age well. That's a good point. Autumn evening ages pretty well, though. I've smoked, well, not really old autumn evening, but I've smoked some medium old autumn evening. It's still pretty good. So maybe, maybe then autumn evening, if I'm going to pick an aromatic, autumn evening is probably my choice. The other option that I, the other aromatic that I really like is no longer on the market, um, and that's McBaron's Modern Virginia. Um, and either, either the loose or the flake. I think I think I would give a nod to the loose because I got a lot of other flakes in there too, <laughs> and it, and it's a whole lot easier to deal with a loose cut than a flake. <laughs> yes, and in this apocalyptic scenario, you know, there are big questions like, am I still driving? Are there roads and cars on this desert island? <laughs> I, like, there, there, there's much to unpack there. <laughs> Do I have flame in order to ignite this? Well, I presumed as much because otherwise, it really doesn't matter what hundred tins I'm bringing with me. Yeah. <laughs> so we so we got some we got some choices and some deep thoughts going on um i think that would i mean i think that would pretty much cover it though um you know other things i like to to dabble in but they sort of are close enough to one of those that that i think i could live with those four albeit somewhat sadly to be that limited 
Yep. All right, moving on to the next question. Uh, what is the oldest tobacco you have smoked, and how was your experience with it? So I, I have smoked some really old tobacco, and I don't remember exactly, you know, in, in a Chicago in, in Uncle Dave's room kind of, kind of stuff. And I don't, re- I don't remember exactly what it was or, or how old it was. So I'm going to pick uh, something that probably wasn't the oldest thing that I smoked, um, but left a really lasting impression, and that was uh, a tin of Copes Escudo. Um, and I, that was probably 10 years ago. Um, and that was really special. Did it live up to your expectations? Yes. Oh, so I smoked it 10 years ago, but of course it was decades old at that point. Right. Yeah. Yes. It was, uh, sweet and plummy and, uh, and it was, it was, it was quite delicious. And and without upsetting the people at STG now, how did, how did it change? Because you're the first one that I've talked to that mentioned a current existing blend. How did it change how you felt about the current product? Not much. I mean, I you know, I kind of feel like this would be a more entertaining answer if I if I were if if I had a strong opinion or I were indignant, but. You know, I'm, I'm smoking like what would have it been like 40 year old tobacco, right? And uh, you take what what they're making now, and you sit on it for four years. Well, it's going to be radically different from what it is now. Yeah. And and it you know, in some respects, you can you can look at it as these are fundamentally two different products. Um, you can look at it as even even the change in available varietals and leaf grades and stuff is going to is going to make a big change over that that kind of time span. Um, I I just I just don't see the point really in trying to make these like it used to be better when comparisons, <laughs> particularly when my you know my pipe smoking timeline is only is like twenty two or twenty three years now. Um, I can't, you know, I can't go smoke Copes Escudo fresh out of the tin when it was being manufactured. Yeah. So you, so you didn't, you weren't one of those guys that said, all right, that's it. I'm throwing out all my Escudo because it doesn't taste like that. And, you know, you were able to separate the two and say, hey, this was a really good experience. And at the same time, I still like this stuff. Yeah. I mean, and stuff changes. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I just, maybe, maybe it's sort of sitting in the middle of the industry and looking at it from that perspective, but you know, stuff changes. Well, and that, and that's why the seven experts are from inside and outside the industry. Cause we have, you know, uh, there's different points of view on, on, on this. Uh, and, and it doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean that a two year old tin of current escudo is bad. No, it's not bad. It's good stuff. Yeah. In fact, I like it at about two to three years old, which Reminds me, I've got some that I got to smoke pretty soon. Um, yeah. I also really liked the the ANC Peterson uh, iteration before, uh, or like bought ANC Peterson. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I it, it's been good, it, but of course, it's it's changed over the years. But so are things made by the same company for re, for decades and decades. They they change over the years. You know, even something like McBaron Mixture that is 
this thing that they that they work really, really hard to sustain consistency on, you know, if you go over a long enough time span, it has slowly evolved um, just because leaf changes. And it's not better or worse. It's not that, like, you can't get the leaf you used to be I mean, it is literally you can't get the leaf you used to be able to get. But you have, you know, crop variants that you're blending in for. You've got, um, you know, where, where leaf is coming from. It's coming from different parts of the world. It's, it just moves around. It can get better, it can get worse in, in individual bits, but it, it is just going to change a little bit. Stuff changes. That's a perfect spot for us to take a break. We'll be back with Sykes in just a minute. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show with Sykes Wilford, Seven Questions for Seven Experts, Part Two. The Part Two, the sequel. Dun dun dun. Uh, this is where the shark gets really big and starts eating cities in the sequel. Uh, anyway, Sykes, you ready for your next question? Yes. How has your preference in pipes changed over time? Bent versus straight, large versus small, smooth versus rusticated, and so on and so on. So, I think like a lot of people, I didn't know what I, it took me a few years to figure out what I liked. And then I kind of got there and then more or less have stayed there. Um, uh, so, early in my pipe smoking career, I smoked uh, sort of a wide variety of different sizes, but leaned probably, a, well, bigger than I smoke now, but probably not, not gigantic. I was never, I was never buying, you know, Ardor Giants or, or, or Chiaco Maximus. Um, no, no Peterson house pipes in your rotation? No, I have never had a Peterson house pipe um, <laughs> in my rotation, no. Um, so it's never, it's never been, it was never that big, but you know, I was smoking a lot of like anywhere from, from like a group three to a group six, um, uh, there. And it was also a lot of bent pipes, uh, early on these days I smoke smaller, but not too small. So a lot of group two, group three, but not as small as group one, uh, uh, pipes and they're either straight or, or very barely bent. Um, and I just don't reach for my bent pipes nearly like I used to. And my bigger pipes just don't get smoked anymore. Um, so I smoke a lot of straight billiards, like group three straight billiards. Why do you think the, why do you think the change occurred? Um, well, it was, it was pretty gradual. So, uh, you know, it, it, it just sort of slowly happened over a long period of time without me noticing it. And then, um, and then I realized that I kept reaching for the same pipes over and over again and just started buying pipes like those ones. <laughs> um, uh, I think, 
I think I, I sort of slowly discovered that, that a straight billiard was something that was easy for me, a smaller straight billiard was the sort of easiest thing for me to manage while doing something else. Okay. Um, and I don't, I don't think it's so much that I was smoking more while doing other things so much as, hey, this it just took me a while. I mean, maybe I'm just kind of slow. Um, but uh, it just took me a while to figure out this is a really practical solution to, uh, to working and, and smoking pipe at the same time. I'm going to ask you an unfair question somewhat for you because with Laudisi, you import Savinelli and now Peterson is under the fold. Um, From an industry standpoint, as you got more and more familiar with those brands and with their processes and everything, uh, did that kind of help in your discovery of maybe a a favorite or two or, or transition your style personally? So yes and no. Um, so we were importing Seven Only for a while when they launched the Petite series. I don't remember exactly what year it came out. It was like 2014 or 2015, somewhere in there. Um, and that had the Seven Only 105 shape, which had largely been dropped from the Seven Only shape chart um i mean it maybe was still on the shape chart but but there really just were not many pipes being made in that shape until they uh launched the petite line um and so i found the 70105 shape with with that launch and then i became and then i realized this is a really good this is the size i've been looking for um you know it it, it's it's small it's it's kind of long um it's really lightweight. It's a straight billiard, maybe a group, I don't know, two and a half. Um, uh, and it, it just fit the bill for me. So I, I actually started buying a lot of those and then buying other brand pipes from other brands that were about the, you know, yeah. about the same. Um, and then of course, cause I, I have a little pull, uh, I, I nudged the 105 into a bunch of different series <laughs> over the ensuing years. Um, and it's become more of a mainstay in the brand in the last, uh, in the last years, but, but largely because they, they brought it back, uh, for that, for that one series. And then, you know, I periodically say things like, Hey, why don't we do it over here? Why don't we do it over there? And sometimes they, they agree with me <laughs> and, uh, we, we sneak it in here and there. It is not a popular shape though. Like the, it is almost an internal joke. And this, this goes for, um, this actually goes more for Peterson where we're, we are actually just making these sorts of decisions um, uh, that, that we are not going to make pipes like, like Sykes wants to smoke because <laughs> the market for them is, is like me and then maybe Shane will buy one and then we'll sell two others. And then that's sort of it. <laughs> um, and, and uh, that, that is not, to, you know, that doesn't work in a factory setting. Um <laughs> So I like the Peterson 15 shape. It's even still a little bit big for me. Um, it's the 15 in in classic, and then it's the one uh, the 102 is a really similar shape in um, Irish Made Army and Silver Mountain Army. So I like that shape from Peterson, um, but it's it's a little on it's a little on the big side yeah. uh, for me. Um, uh, but uh, but as far as the little tiny billiards that I I, I love to see. Um, 
it, it they're not super popular. Um, my tastes are aberrant, apparently. <laughs> Kevin Godby and I have a joke that if we both really like an episode of the show, we know that nobody else will. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it feels. Like my personal opinion, and my professional opinions do not match up real well. Yeah. Like I know what's going to sell, and it's not what I want to buy. And <laughs> what I want to buy is not what's going to sell. But you know, I muddle through. So when you're when you're helping when you're helping buying pipes, which is probably pretty rare right now, you look at the ones you like and go, "No, we'll buy the opposite." More or less, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like I go to Costello, which I haven't done in a while because of this pandemic thing, um, and we'll have a whole pile of tiny little billiards, like in the yes, we're going to take these. So basically. Shane and I will go to Costello together, or one of us will do it individually, and we will pre-select from an enormous number of pipes and make a batch of some hundreds of pipes. And then we'll whittle it down to however many we want to actually uh, actually buy. But it's easier to do it in two stages than to try to go all the way from this massive selection down to you know, 100, 150, 175, whatever the number is. Um, and when we're doing this sort of pre-selecting, we're just picking out the things we're picking based on any criteria. Like, they're not really in any order, so we're not keeping track of what we're picking that, that might be similar. Um, and, and there's no real discipline imposed in that first, uh, first go through uh, the inventory at Costello. But invariably, I get to, when I'm doing this on my own, um, I get to that second stage of picking, and I have like 10 of these cute little billiards lined up. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, this needs to be one not 10. We need to have 10 shape 55s and one tiny little billiard. Um, so there is some of that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the next question, which is, uh, what is the pipe you own that has the most sentimental value to you and why? I have a couple. Um, I, I actually have many pipes that have tremendous sentimental value yeah th this um, is really an unfair question for you being so well connected to so many pipe makers and stuff like that over the years so but go ahead uh and and that's and that's what makes it hard um so handling these chronologically i'm gonna i'm gonna just i'm gonna try to keep it to two um handling these chronologically tokotomi gave me a pipe in 2003 that was um, unfit for sale. Like it had a, it had a flaw in it. Um, so he wasn't going to sell it. Um, but it was the first pipe where he did, uh, uh, where he moved the line on the bottom of the glowfish shape, um, which aesthetically and for pipe design that came later, both, both from him and from others, um, really changed a lot of thinking about, about pipe design over the ensuing 10 or 15 years. Um, so the first one of those that was made <clears throat> was, was a failure in as much as it had this problem, um, but uh, was a huge success in as much as it demonstrated that the shape could work. Um, and, it's, it, and, and I own it, uh, and, he gave, and he gave it to me. Um, it's an absolutely beautiful pipe. It's got, you know, a, a not terribly consequential flaw on the bottom of the shank um, that you, of the you can't sell it, but there's nothing really wrong with it sort. Um, so that pipe is very, very special to me because it's like a little piece of pipe history. 
um, and Andy gave it to me, and it was uh, the in the first batch um, of of this shape that he was experimenting with. So that one's really important. The other one that's really important to me was a gift from Nana Everson um, in 2006, um, shortly after we started working with her and with Lars. Um, and uh, that has been a, I have smoked that pipe thousands of times in the last, in the last 15 years. Um, and so probably those two. Yeah. There are others. There are definitely others that are really important to me. I mean, I, I have a yes, Konovich that, that's really important to me. I have a pipe that, uh, that Jeff Grasick made for me that's really important to me, one that um, Alex Floroff made that, like, but, uh, but those two especially. Both, yeah. both because I've had them longer and, and because they marked particular moments in my life or my career or the lives and careers of the people that made them. And almost the, uh, you know, moments in the, in the company's career as it took on these, these names. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even the Tokotomi, like we'd only been working with Tokotomi for about a year and a half at that point. So it was still pretty new in that relationship. Yeah. All right. Next question. Uh, how does situation affect your pipe and tobacco choice? You know, outdoor, indoor, morning, evening, on the go. Um, when are you going to smoke that aromatic versus when are you going to smoke the the Virginia Periques? So, I don't think that deeply about it. I mean, I think really deeply about pipes and pipe tobacco professionally for most of my waking hours. But when it comes to what I'm going to smoke when... It has a whole lot more to do with what's handy and you know what <laughs> yeah. what I feel like, without any real thought going into it, um, than than anything. Like what pipes aren't too dirty to smoke is a big a big criterion. Um, <laughs> uh, what tobacco I you know I can find uh, you know what what happens to be at hand is a big. Um, is a big thing. Of course, like what's at hand is going to be something I like at some level, right? Because I, I opened it previously or, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sort of, I guess I'm not embarrassed to say, but I, I don't think that deeply about, oh, I'm outside. So it has to be X kind of blend when Y kind of pipe. I just don't, I just don't impose that kind of order on my personal pipe smoking. Um, I spent, <laughs> as I said, I spent a lot of time, all my time thinking about pipes and pipe tobacco in a like really structured and methodical way. And I just don't, I kind of intentionally don't want to do that to myself on top of that. As, as well as I know you, I could say that you, it could be a full-time job for somebody keeping your pipes and tobaccos wrangled and in order and, uh, in in some sort of um, <laughs> some sort of standardized situation besides, Oh, there's a pipe over there and there's tobacco over there. You, that's kind of how I smoke a pipe, yeah. Yeah. Like, what pipes are by the back door? Because that's where I happen to be. Um, what pipes are in the car? Um, <laughs> oh, there's a pipe in my pocket. I'll smoke that one. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, well, and, and I knew that was an unfair question to you, but that's one of the questions, so you got it. Now, I, I'm sure other experts think deeply and expertly about that problem. I am not one of those people. Here is a much more fair question for you. 
What famous pipe smoker from the past would you like to share a bowl with, and it has to be someone you have not met? Sixton Everson. Um, I never met Sixton, um, but I've had close friendships with his, you know, his son in, until Lars's passing and with, with his granddaughter, and yeah. this is someone that I almost feel like I know him without ever having met him. I've spent so much time talking about him with, uh, with his with his students and his and his son and granddaughter and friends and you know I've poured through his correspondence, but I would love to have been able to have met him. Didn't um, uh, didn't Tokotomi go and work with him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what would so, what do you what do you think you'd want to what would you ask him? You know, I would ask him like really ridiculous questions like what do you think of this lamp? <laughs> like I want to know how I want to know definitively. I've spent so much time thinking and writing and talking about the changes he brought to pipe design that I want to know if if my theories on the way he thought about these things are actually right. Um, and, you know, I want to, I want to ask him some, some really what seems superficially mundane questions like, like what do you think of this lamp? Um, and tell me about this shape and what are you trying to achieve with this line? Um, because he did all this stuff. He was the first person to do so many of these things. And now they're just the way they are in pipes. No one really thinks that at some point in the past, someone came up with all this stuff. But basically, Sixton came up with a lot of it. So I, I want to I, I get to know the intellect behind, behind that process. Yeah, so you, you'd really want to find out what kind of makes him tick. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I, I, you know, I, I know the man's body of work. I have talked to so many people, but I, I kind of want, instead of interviewing people about him, um, I want to, I would love to interview him and, and just, just try to understand, just really try to understand how he thought about stuff. Yeah. And the, and the good news is, you know, his family well enough to know that he's not, he's not a nasty person. He's an, he was a nice guy. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I I like to think that he would have been would have entertained my questions for a long time, and I would have had hours of questions to ask. So, yeah. in in our hypothetical, he probably might have asked you, "What is that thing in your hand that you're holding that has a screen that you're writing stuff down on?" But yeah, he probably would ask that. Yeah. yeah. All right, here's your bonus question: uh, What other hobbies do you have? And 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 this is you know again this isn't fair to you because pipes are also your job and and it's a and it's a hobby. But what other what else do you do outside of that and uh, being uh, and being John's dad? Well, being John's dad is kind of a full time hobby. No, yeah. um, uh, I mean, there is some truth to. I work an awful lot and I spend a lot of time with my family. And after that, there's not much left. Um, and I'm perfectly happy with that because I love what I do and I love uh, spending time with my wife and son. Um, uh, I mean, I cook. That's, that's probably, probably the closest thing to, uh, to a hobby. Um, it also puts food on the table, so I'm not sure if it qualifies. <laughs> um, I read a lot. 
Um, but I don't, I don't really have hobby hobbies. I don't play golf. I don't, you know, make stuff in the garage. I can't make things at all. Like that's just, that's a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like... I don't even fix things around the house cause I just make them worse. <laughs> uh, so actual hobbies, like not, not, not much, but you know, I cook and read and right. my son and work. Sykes Wilford, um, the uh, CEO, founder of Laudisi, which includes uh, Cornell and Deal, uh, SmokingPipes.com. I forgot that little thing. Uh, Peterson Pipes, Savinelli. You're the importer for Savinelli in the USA. What else am I forgetting? That's kind of pretty much covered. I mean, we're, we're the importer and distributor for um, Peterson, Savinelli, Cornell and Deal, uh, Gawith Hogarth, uh, and Creeby Lighters. Um, and of course we, we also own the manufacturing and the brand for, for Peterson and Cornell and Deal. And of course we have smoking pipes too. And yeah. that, but that is kind of the, the big one. Yeah. That little thing um, called smokingpipes.com. Yeah. We, we all, all the time we talk about it being the, the engine that, that pulls the train. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, Thanks for coming on, and thanks for doing this. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for asking me again. And we'll be back in just a minute. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm Smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Um, you know, if you if you smoke a pipe, you've probably run into something that Sykes deals in. All right, for music, um, following up on, uh, you know, just... Listen, I've been enjoying Breakfast lately, and one of my favorite older, older, older Newsboys songs, in fact, it goes uh, way back, I believe, to 1996, is a uh, is a Newsboys song called Breakfast. And uh, since I've discovered almond milk, breakfast has become more important to me. So uh, we get this uh, Newsboys 1996 with a very, very young Jody Davis playing guitar. Back the sugar, they are powerless to console. We gathered here to sprinkle ashes from our late free cereal bowl. Breakfast club is the motto that he taught us to repeat. You will lose it in your gym class if you wait till noon to eat. Back when the chess club said our eggs were soft, every Monday he'd say, Grace and hold our juice aloft. Anonymous knew his checkout time would come so soon But before his brain stopped 
Thomas dropped the hankies That a somehow friend was on That day he bought those pine pajamas His chick was good with dust Those here without the Lord How do you cope? For this morning we don't mourn Like those who have no hope I rise up to blue plovers Sing out sweet and low from the uh, 1996 album Take Me to Your Leader. Uh, I mean, who, who, doesn't, uh, who doesn't like a song that references Captain Crunch? What's this? A letter for me. And remember, mailbag comments or questions, you can email them directly to me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at pipesmagazine.com. Or uh, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, all those places, and uh, send them to me that way. Or you can also do like these fine folks did and post them on Pipes Magazine right on the radio show page. Just like Casey Ghost does every week. He said, this week, good discussion on stems and the role they play in enjoying a pipe. Uh, I know this guy is a veritable legend in the community, but what hold does he have on everyone? (laughs) He doesn't answer a question. Instead, he worries it to death. I think for the first time you had an expert on who is older than me. I think you could have found someone else who would have done a much better job. Oh, and it's pronounced Principia. Okay, thank you, Dan. Uh, And then Dino says, Linwood's rambling, all-encompassing answers were an absolute treat. He is, as are all the previous guests in this series, someone you really want to sit with and share a bowl. Uh, Suspicious Minds by Elvis is one of my all-time favorite songs. Thanks for a wonderfully entertaining episode, Dino. Uh, And I'll just say, again, the experts are picked because they come from uh, different areas of the hobby, uh, different regions of the the country, and uh, different parts of the industry. So 
if they were all seven the same, well, that'd be pretty boring. And then Chasing Embers says he cleaned out the gunk, tar, and old tobacco put in in the new stem and the pipe smoked better. Of course it was the new stem and not the cleaner mortise. <laughs> ah, but you missed the part where this stem was cut to match the mortise perfectly. And I probably didn't explain real well that the draft hole was even all the way through the new uh, smoking stem. So that was important as well. Uh, and then uh, finally, uh, Zero says, Hello, Brian. I've been living under a rock, literally, and just discovered your podcast about two months ago. Your show has saved me in so many ways and gives me something to look forward to. I really enjoyed this episode with Linwood Hines. Such a comfortable session to listen to. Thank you for all that you do. You are very welcome and welcome to the show. And remember, if you're just now getting on with the show, well, uh, make sure that you keep current with the new ones and then go back and get caught up on the old ones. And, uh, you know, please be patient with the very old ones. Uh, MSO 489 says, I had a great orange cat, male, very large, looked like a cougar that I carried on my shoulder because he wouldn't go in the carrier, and he had the same composed and reasoned composure as Linwood. <laughs> Linwood the cat. I like it. <laughs> All right, again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, for our Muslim friends, I wish you all a blessed Ramadan as this is the season. Hope everybody gets a chance. Remember, it is uh, in the Northern Hemisphere. The weather is warming up, so please get outside, smoke your pipe, and uh, don't forget to let people know what <laughs> that pipe smokers are still around and uh, let them know that you know this is what a, a new pipe smoker looks like or what a modern-day pipe smoker looks like. Uh, comments, questions, suggestions, email me. Uh, ask the pipe maker questions. Email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. All right, rant time is coming up next. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Cowboy. Cowboy. I consider myself to be a friend of the uh, friend of nature. I consider myself to be, uh, you know, a friend of the planet. I like to, I recycle everything that everything possible. I recycle it, and when it comes to the animals, you know, I, we leave out bird feed or bird seed occasionally, and you know, I I will if, if an animal gets in the house, the little frogs or whatever, I will try to get them out and let them do their thing outside, and you know, as long as they stay outside and I stay inside, we're all fine. We even had a snake get stuck one time in our garage and I got a snake wrangler to come over here and fix the little black racer snake that was not poisonous and rescue him and take him away. Uh, and now, having said that, uh, there is a certain bird that he and I are going toe-to-toe -to -toe right now because this little bird has been trying to build a nest in our front porch light. Yeah, you know, your little bird flies up in from the bottom of it and has been 
bringing all kinds of stuff and junk up there and trying to build it up and the front porch light has got an open bottom to it and this little bird is trying to build a nest within the light fixture itself he stopped trying the front porch for a while and then moved to the light over the garage door and that didn't work out for him after a couple of weeks of making a mess over there and now he's back to the front porch again well this little bird and i and he let me tell you if you hear the dingle dingle of our doorbell in there sometimes when i'm recording uh lately that might have been that little bird going up in the the front porch light trying to build his little nest in there and all i can tell you is this little bird and i are going to go toe to toe there are plenty of trees around for him to build a nest in. There are plenty of better places than an open-bottomed uh, porch light for him to build a nest in. And he and I are going to go toe-to-toe. Uh, it's gotten to the point where I'm thinking about putting up a little bit of wire up in there to stop him from coming up in there. But this little bird is making a mess. And uh, he and I are going to go toe-to-toe. That's all i got to say. Maybe I'll just stand out there and smoke my pipe right under the nest. And that'll get him away from trying to work on that. Anyway, I don't know. But that's part of the problem of living in the Carolinas in the springtime. All right. Uh, oh, before I forget, uh, speaking of uh, newborns, uh, congratulations to John David Cole on the uh, birth of his son uh, about a week or so ago. Uh, and uh, if you want to have, uh, have some fun, uh, listen to uh, Russ Hicks, who's been on our show a couple of times. He's pinch-hitting uh, on uh, Country Squire Radio for John David, and it's a lot of fun to listen to Russ. So make sure and check them out. Uh, thank you very much to Jeff for joining me. Thank you to Sykes, and thank you all for tuning in. Until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to Till we meet again. Cocoa Puffs, chocolate-tasting Cocoa Puffs, munchy, crunchy, chocolate. Cocoa Puffs, yummy! I'm Cocoa Puffs, Cocoa Puffs!